Amen. Thank you, Sarah, for that special. Good to see you today. Good crowd out on this chilly morning. Glad that you're here. And if you'll open your Bibles with me, the book of Galatians this morning. Galatians chapter number one. Galatians chapter one. Everyone doing well this morning? All right. Good. Good. Galatians chapter number one. If you're a guest with us, we want to thank you for being here. We're glad that you are here. And if you brought a guest today, we're so glad that you did that. And I pray that uh, they receive a, a blessing from the message today as we open the word, the word of God. I am going to begin reading in verse number six of Galatians chapter number one. And I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so shall, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do now I for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Father, I pray today that you would uh, meet with us. We, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to uh, fill this place. Lord, we need you to guide us and direct us. We need you. We rely upon your spirit to convict us, to encourage us, to comfort us. And Lord, in a room like this, with this many people, there's different needs. There's different um, wants. There's different desires. Lord, there's different problems. But we know that your spirit can heal and direct and guide and comfort. And so we... Lord, we rely upon you today. We realize that we can't accomplish anything in our own strength. So Holy Spirit of God, I pray now that you please work. Use me, I pray, as we look at this passage of scripture and others hear from your word this morning. We want the truth to be seen. And so Lord, I pray you direct and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to, uh, I was going to preach a message this morning on uh, end times or the end of all things. I'm going to wait till I get back from Israel to preach that. Um, and you'll see why here this morning. I, uh, as I prepare for Israel, I, my wife and I are leaving tomorrow morning where I believe there's 26 of us going on this trip to Israel. And um, I've just been spending spending a good amount of time um, just preparing for that trip and making sure things are in order. Tomorrow as we leave, we'll, um, I've made, I've written lots of letters. I, I instructed our deacons, wrote letters to our deacons, instructed them uh, if for some reason, if for some reason something were to happen and uh, I not return, I want to make sure that every single thing that we've done is in order. And this is not a message about, uh, fear or me not coming back. I have every intention on coming back, but I think just good preparation for things uh, is necessary. I um, I looked last week at the news and and uh, there was a uh, couple missiles that 
went into Israel last week. And um, now don't tell anybody that's going on a trip that please, if you're going on a trip, just forget I said that. We're still going tomorrow. It'll be safe. Someone said it's safer to go to Israel than Chicago. And they're probably right with that. Uh, uh, but I believe this, it's good to prepare. I wrote a letter to my son and just giving my son instructions. Um, I've got a gun collection and coins and some other things that my dad handed down. And I told him, I said, you sell the coins. And when the girls get old enough and get married, you can split that. I said, but don't you dare let one of my, in- my son-in-laws touch one of my guns. Don't you do that. There's only one, one way I want them to look at the gun and it's through the barrel, not uh, on their hands. I said, you make sure you take care of that for me, son. I've done the same with our staff. I've just sent them a letter, instructed them just how to behave and what to do if something were, were to take place. And I've set in order my finances, my family, and, and all the things that are important to me. And this morning, I, I seek to do the same with our church. And I want to I preach this morning as if this were the last message that I ever preached. Now, again, don't, I'm, I'm coming back, I'm, I hope. Um, but if I were to preach the last message that I ever preached to the church that God has called me to pastor, if I had to say just some final things, I thought over this last week, what would I say? And number one, I challenge our church with this, build strong, godly families. Build strong, godly families. Make sure that your relationships within your home are Christ-honoring. I'd say this, number two, reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Reach this world, sacrifice and give so that the gospel goes forth here in Monclova, in Northwest Ohio, this country and this world. Be passionate about the gospel. I would say this, thirdly, keep the second coming always in view. Jesus Christ is coming again. Would you say amen to that? Jesus is coming again. He is at any moment. And I believe with all of my heart before even we get finished with this message that things are set in order. Christ at any moment can call his bride home. And what a day that's going to be. But that ought to keep us sober. That ought to keep us centered upon the gospel. That ought to keep us motivated to do right. Keep the second coming in mind. And number four, I would say this, beware of false gospels. Beware of false gospels. And Paul, he warned the church here in in, uh, Galatia as well. He said, I marvel in verse number six, that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Beware of false gospels. Many today want the gospel to accommodate their lives. Many today, they don't mind preaching of God's word as long as it doesn't offend them. And I've said this often. I, I, I don't want our church to ever be a place that offends anyone. We're not friendly or we do something to offend. But if the gospel offends, if the truth of God's word offends, there's really nothing we can do about that. We don't want to be offensive in how we present it, but the presentation of the gospel, the gospel itself offends. But today, today there's many that want a gospel that accommodates. 
And that word accommodate means this, to adapt or to make uh, suitable or acceptable, to adjust, to make convenient. And for some today, that's the way they want the gospel, a convenient gospel, an, an easy gospel where I can, I, can, I can take it or leave it. I can take as much of it as I would like, but, but nothing convicts, nothing moves, nothing challenges me. I don't, I don't want to be in a place where I'm, I'm, I'm challenged or moved. I, I want it convenient so I can live however I choose to live. And there's some today that preach this gospel. That word accommodate means this, to yield to the desires of others, to satisfy them, to make them feel comfortable. And listen, this is a gospel that has yielded to the desires and the weakness of sinful men. It's, it's, it's a gospel that's preached and it's a gospel that's preached in our country. It's a gospel that's preached around this world and, and, and it's yielded to the, to the desires of sinful men. You can continue to do whatever you want to do. You can continue to live however you want to live. You continue to believe what you want to believe. Just add Jesus to that and everything's going to be okay. There are some that believe this. If I add Jesus to my life, then I'll never have a problem again. It's false. There's some that teach this and preach this, that if you add Jesus to your life, you'll never have a heartache. The reason why you have problems is because you're not giving enough or doing enough. But if you add Jesus, you'll never have a problem again. And some do this and their problems don't go away and they think that they've maybe done something wrong or added something wrong. And that's a false gospel. There are some that, have adjusted the gospel to appease and to attract. Listen, if a sinner can come in and hear the gospel preached and a sinner can feel comfortable, he's probably not hearing the true gospel. Because the gospel changes lives. The gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this gospel, this gospel that Paul warned of. And this gospel that we can even see in society today, it's influencing ministers of all denominations. It, it's given birth to some of the, the largest mega churches of our day. It's accommodating to, to sinners and, and, and people can sit in these mega churches, these large churches every week of their life and never feel convicted Nothing ever changed. They come in, they mark off that I was at church and they go back and live whatever life they want to live. And that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. This gospel that Paul warns of, this gospel that I warn our church this morning of, it's a non-confronting, convenient gospel. It's, 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 it's added, it's, it's spoon-fed to a congregation through non-abrasive non-confronting messages. And some say it's seeker-friendly. We, we want to present it in a way to where there's no, there's no offense. And I would say this, that those preachers are trying to do the work of the gospel in their own flesh. The Holy Spirit of God, when he begins to confront a sinner, that makes that sinner uncomfortable. When a person, when you heard the gospel, it made you uncomfortable. 
Because that gospel that you were confronted with was not you live life however you want to live life. That gospel you were confronted with was that Jesus Christ went to the cross. He paid that sin debt that you owed. And now if you trust him, he's bought you with a price. He owns you. And what happens all around this country, around this world, this false gospel, this this other gospel, they came upon a formula. And in this formula, you, you go into any city that you want. You can go in and overnight you can draw this crowd. I, I received a, a picture. I, I forget who gave it to me uh, not long ago. Um, it was a picture of a um, evangelistic meeting that took place here in like 1911 here in Toledo. And it was a big outdoor tabernacle where thousands upon thousands upon thousands came and were preached to and were gloriously saved. I was doing a little history of that here in the Toledo area. There was a, a time in the Toledo area in the turn of that century that, that the gospel was preached and, and it began to change this community. That's not the gospel I'm preaching of. This, this gospel is one that they've created a formula. They, uh, they can overnight go in and, and build a church. They survey communities. They, they see what a community wants in a church. And, and then they design this program for that. And I, I, I would say this, the Bible describes to us what a church ought to be. The Bible tells us what ought to be preached and what ought to be lived. They designed this church to make it comfortable for sinners and make it easy. And they call it seeker friendly. Churches are run like corporations. Pastors are more of a CEO than a pastor, a watchman, a shepherd. And someone even said this, not realizing that they were being recorded. It's big business. It's big business. Someone said this, that's involved in this kind of movement. There's a lot of money in the Jesus business. Listen to me, that is not a heart of a pastor. That's not the makings of a, a local New Testament church. That's another gospel. And they've taken this and they, they've packaged this up and they sell it at seminars. They sell it in books. And you can read books about how to build a church. And, 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 and it sounds good. It sounds like Jesus. But I warn our church today that it's another gospel. It's another gospel. And Paul warned the church here in Galatians chapter one of this other gospel. And he said this, but though we or an angel from heaven preach another gospel unto you than that which have been preached unto you, let him be accursed. There is no other way. Jesus Christ, he is the way, the truth and the life. And the gospel is the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that alone. There's nothing else added to this gospel. If it's added, then it's not the gospel. And Paul warns this. The apostle Paul warned of the coming of another gospel. He says, which I have not preached. Paul says, it's, it isn't really even another gospel though. It's not the truth. The gospel means this, the good news. If somebody is changing the gospel or adding to the gospel, it's no longer the good news. 
He says this, it's, it's a curse. It's a perversion. They're going to accommodate this, this, this gospel accommodates the sinner. And, and, and I know, I, I know who I'm preaching to today. I, I know that many here today are grounded in this truth. And I'm preaching to you today like this would be the last time. If I had to, if I had to preach the last time to our church, what would I want you to hear? What would I want you to know? I would caution our church, don't ever let someone stand in this pulpit and preach another gospel. Don't let someone stand in this pulpit and preach an accommodating gospel that causes sinners to feel fine, that causes saints to never be challenged. They're going to accommodate this. This other gospel is going to accommodate their pleasure. It's going to accommodate other people's needs. It's going to be about you. I was talking to Tom Molina. Where's Tom at? Is he in here? Did he leave already? I was talking to Tom this past week. We were talking about music. We both said this, I, I, I don't like songs that I don't know if we're talking about Jesus or your girlfriend. I don't like songs like that. You know what I'm talking about? Like by the time you're done, you're thinking, I, that, I don't know if that was a letter I could have written to my wife or if that was a, a song about Jesus. I, I, I think that when we sing songs, we ought to sing about the blood of Jesus Christ. We ought to sing about, about Christ and glorify him. It's not about me. We've, we've caused Christianity. We've caused uh, uh, a salvation to all be about me and how I feel and what I want. And the gospel is not about me. The gospel is about Jesus Christ. It's about the blood that is shed upon the cross. It's about his deity, his virgin birth, him coming and living a sinless life. It's, it's about me and my, my sinful state. I'm the sinner in this story. I'm the one that, that, that deserved death. I'm the one that deserved to be crucified. But Jesus stepped in my place and went to the cross and shed his blood. He left heaven's home. He lived upon this sinful earth so that I did not have to pay my own sin debts. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we've made the gospel about us. This new gospel, it changes and Paul warns in verse number eight, he says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which was, we've preached unto you, let him be accursed. If anyone preaches anything other than the cross of Jesus, let him be accursed. Church, don't allow it. In the last times we hear that there are going to be some that itchy ears. They're gonna to want to hear good things. And, 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 and you know, from this pulpit, we talk about grace. We talk about God's love. We talk about God's mercy. But I believe this as a watchman, as a pastor of this church, it can't just be we live however we want to live. We come to church, we feel really, really good, and we leave and go back and we live. Listen, Jesus Christ is coming again. And the gospel calls us to do something. Jesus warned, he said this, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. He warned that they were ravaging wolves. 
How many of you would want a ravaging wolf to be in your backyard? So that your family could go be around that. Not a person, not a sane person in here would desire that. But that's what Jesus said. These false prophets, these false teachers, these false pastors that come in and start preaching another gospel, they're like ravaging wolves. Jesus said, straight is the gate or narrow is the way and few that be that find it. We, we realize this, that in our country today, in our world today, just like in Paul's day, there are false prophets, there are false pastors, there are false evangelists. You can't just listen and believe everything you hear on TV. This gospel that will accommodate and uh, change the gospel to suit people is not the real gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus put his finger on it. He said that these men will do this for ambition. That word ravaging is they, uh, they, they, they're starved for recognition. They're, they're building churches for their namesake, not for the name of the gospel. The goal, listen, the goal of this church, the goal of any local New Testament church is not to see how big we can get. It's not to see uh, uh, the crowd that we can draw. The goal is not to be the biggest at any cost. There's some that their goal is to be the biggest or to be the most well-known and they'll do anything that they can do at any cost to draw this crowd. And I would say this, if we were the biggest church to meet in, in Northwest Ohio, but the gospel was not preached, why would we be proud of that? If we had the biggest gathering, but men's lives were not changed and, and the Holy Spirit was not present and lives were not convicted and sin was not, not, was not convicted and, and, and there was no repentance, why would we pride ourselves in that? I say, God forbid a man that would stand behind a pulpit and preach to a gathering of people and not preach the gospel. God help him. God's always worked through a remnant. I believe this church that as the time draws closer to the Lord's return, the Bible tells us there is going to be a great falling away. There are going to be some that are easily offended. There's going to be some that are not grounded in the gospel and aren't going to be able to stick with it when persecution comes. But God is always through the, through the Old Testament, all through the, the New Testament and today as well, God always works through a remnant. We don't have to compromise on the truth. We don't have to compromise on the gospel. We must preach Christ and Christ crucified. And I would say this to the church, and I, I, I hope that this would ring in the ears of, of all those that are here. Don't ever allow anyone in this pulpit that preaches another gospel. Don't ever allow anyone in this pulpit that preaches that salvation is in any other name other than Jesus Christ. Don't ever allow someone in this pulpit that preaches that salvation is found in religion or in man or in good works. Don't ever allow someone in this pulpit that would preach that salvation is, 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 is cheap and is easy and, and uh, 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 something other than Christ. Salvation is not cheap. It costs Christ his life on the cross. In this pulpit, don't ever allow someone in this pulpit that would preach another gospel. 
In 2 Corinthians, if you would just turn a few pages over, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. In 2 Corinthians, just a few pages, probably two, three, four pages over, 2 Corinthians 11, Paul warns the church once again of false prophets. He said this in verse number three, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so that your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he, if, if he that cometh preaches, look, look with me here, for he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which we, we have not received, or another gospel, which we have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a wit behind the very chiefest apostles, but though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Paul here is saying he's warning the church of false prophets. There's some that, that they trusted Christ and now they think they're on something new. I've, I've, I've talked to people, they, they said, I've been, I've been watching, I've been listening. And when someone starts the conversation with, I've been listening to this preacher. I say, oh, here it comes. I've been following this guy on the internet and he says this, or I've been watching this evangelist on television and he says this. And it's contrary to what you heard when you heard the gospel preached and when you heard that message preached and the conviction fell upon you. And you know that, that, that feeling that the Holy Spirit began to work in your life and convict you that you were a sinner. You realize and remember that gospel that was preached unto you. And Paul says, be careful that you start to hear from, from another preacher something new. Listen, if you ever hear someone say, I have new revelation, the best thing you can do is turn that TV off. If you hear the Lord has given me something, something new, I'm telling you that man is a false preacher. What Paul is saying is what you heard from the beginning, that's truth. Stick with it. What you heard when you first trusted Christ as your Savior, that truth, stick with it, church. Don't change a thing. It's not wrong to pray about growth. I'm not suggesting that growth is, is bad. I, I was, if you look in the bulletin, we had a great attendance last week. And I look at that. I'd lie to you if I said I didn't look at numbers. I, I look at the attendance and I look at the offering every week. But that's not, that's not priority the gospel is. It's not wrong to pray for growth. But if it's for self-ambition, it's wrong. And I warn you, this church this morning, many pastors are willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to follow this formula. They're doing whatever it takes. And this formula is this, stop preaching hard on sin. Do you, do you realize this? There are people that sit in church week after week after week after week, Brother Foreman, and they never hear preaching against sin. Never hear it. Listen, nobody likes to hear preaching against sin. But it's necessary. The word of God is to reprove and rebuke and exhort. 
Part of coming to church is, is coming and, and learning and growing and allow the Holy Spirit to work. Listen, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, don't fight the Spirit of God. And if your pastor is preaching from the word of God, the truth, and even if it is against sin and it doesn't feel good, don't run from that preaching. Stay under that preaching and and follow that preaching and allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in your life. Why would you want to be, why would you want to be saved and go off and live however you want to live? Why would you not want to be convicted so that you are the, 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 the Christian that God desires for you to be? But this formula says, stop preaching on sin. This formula says this, stop preaching on hell. You you might not know this, but trust me, this is what happens. I, I've, I've read many of books. I've, I, I've actually went to a, a, a church growth seminar and, and this is the things that they tell you. People don't like to think about hell. Don't preach on hell. Someone said this, if you preach on hell, then other people there that they've lost loved ones and, and they realize that, hey, my loved one isn't gonna, uh, is in hell, you've offended them and they won't come back. And so what they're saying is just water down the truth. Make, make everything easy. Make everything uh, 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 just easy to digest. What kind of Christianity is that? What kind of gospel is that? Listen, hell ought to motivate the Christian. It's real. And if a person dies without Christ, that's where they spend their eternity. Instead of putting their head in the sand and believing it doesn't exist, let's do something about that church. But this formula says stop preaching on it. Stop preaching messages that convict. Because people won't come. They say this, just preach messages on love and grace. Make the service feel comfortable. And this, this goes totally against the preaching of the gospel. It says, just give them what they want to hear. I don't know about you, but that's not the kind of church I want to pastor. Paul said, I'm called to preach the gospel. My calling is to preach the gospel. I'm anointed to be a watchman. What kind of watchman could stand on a wall knowing that, that people, uh, there's a heaven, there's a hell, knowing that if people don't know Christ and, and don't know the true gospel, that they're going to spend eternity in hell. What, ty- what, what type of watchman knowing that could just stand there and watch people go down that path? I can't. And I would say to you, don't ever allow, don't ever allow a watered down gospel here at this church. Don't change. I want you to see in Acts chapter 13, if you'll go there with me, Acts chapter 13, are you with me? Acts chapter 13. How does God build a church? 
Now we're, we're talking over the church of Antioch. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius and of, of Cyrene and, and Manian, which had brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch of, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, then sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed. Listen, what we find here is this. Well, how does God build a church? By people ministering unto the Lord. I I challenge your church today. if, If you never hear my voice again, I would say to you this, the type of church that God's build, that God builds is a church full of people that are ministering to the Lord. You don't do this to yourself. There's not a person up here. I pray that sang today that sang for their own glory or for their own good. They sang to the glory of Jesus Christ. When the choir sings, it's not look how good that choir is. It's look how good our God is. Anything that we do, every teacher in this, in this, church and every, every uh, nursery worker and every usher and every greeter, doesn't matter what you do in this church, we minister to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do it for him, you're doing it for the right reason. Keep ministering to the Lord. How do you keep from being offended? You minister to the Lord. Number two, you find this, God builds a church. How does he do that? Through a praying church. Oh, church, I fear. I fear with this formula, with this another gospel, with this accommodating gospel, it lacks prayer. And listen to me, God moves through prayer. I fear we live maybe in a country, we have a, a Christianity that is just so easy. We, we want this accommodating gospel. It's so easy that we don't need the power of God anymore. We have Christians that can live their lives and go through day after day and and work and and family and relationships and finances and they never ever bend their knee and enter the throne room of heaven. You can't build a strong home without prayer. You can't, listen to me, you can't have a strong church without prayer. You can put formulas together. You can read books and and, and you can follow this plan, but you leave prayer out. You might have something the formula says is successful, but you don't have what God says is successful. You need prayer. Every husband ought to be praying faithfully for his wife. I talk to families when they begin to separate and I say to them this, are you praying for each other? You know what the common answer to that is? No. God builds a church through prayer. And thirdly, he builds it through the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And so often ministering to the Lord is left out. So often prayer is left out. So often the anointing of the Holy Spirit and we can come in and we can play church. We can come in and have another gospel. We can come in and do our thing and gather a crowd, but none of that is a local New Testament church, a local New Testament church where believers are ministering to the Lord, where believers are on their knees in prayer and where the anointing of the Holy Spirit is there, where the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, we can't have this church that God wants us to have if we ignore or the Holy Spirit of God. Paul boasted unashamedly, we preach Christ crucified. He said, under the Jews, a stumbling block, under the Greeks, foolishness. You know what the Jews wanted? They wanted a sign. They wanted miracles. 
will believe if you give us a miracle. If the skies open up, if, if, if these miracles happen, then we'll believe. And, and the Greeks said, uh, uh, Greek foolishness, what they want is wisdom. We, we want to be able to debate this. And if we can debate this and, and, and it come out true, then, then we'll believe. And Paul said this, we're not going to accommodate what they want. We're just going to simply preach the gospel. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and nothing more. Listen, if you're looking for a sign, you're not going to find the true gospel. If you're looking for it in wisdom, You might not find the true gospel. The true gospel is not accommodating what you want. The true gospel is found and found only in Jesus Christ. Don't ever allow anything other than that. Mark this down, please. I'm almost through. This false gospel. It's accommodating of men's love for pleasure. I love the the, 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 uh, epistles of First and Second Timothy, this is Paul writing to Timothy as his young man in the faith. And he says this to Timothy, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parent, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, goes on and on and on of what this, for, for several other verses here of what, what this looks like. What he's saying is this, that's going to happen. You know what we've done in churches today and Christianity today and in, in large churches across this country, they've accommodated the gospel for man to continue to love themselves and their pleasure. Don't ever allow a pastor in this pulpit that's afraid to preach against sin. Number two, the, this, this gospel is, is accommodating of, of self-denial. And Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And we're, we're, we're preaching a gospel that no, there's no self-denial. We're not talking about letting the, someone deny themselves. We, we want to continue to live in our sin. We, we, we want to continue to do what we want here upon this earth. But, I, but I, I remind you of this verse. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present what? Your body's a living sacrifice. Yes, God wants your soul, but he wants your body as well. He didn't save you just so he could have the half of you that's going to spend an eternity. No, he saved you for this body as well. He saved you, and after he saved you, he wants you to live a sanctified life, a holy life. He said, I beseech you, I beg of you, I, 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 I beg you to, the, to live, brethren, uh, a, a life, a living sacrifice to God. And he says, I want your eyes. You see, if God has your eyes, He can keep you from lust. God, you can have my soul. But this body, I'm going to do with it what I want. God says, I want your eyes, because if you give me your eyes, I'll keep you from lust. I want your ears, because if you give me your ears, I can keep you from false doctrine. I want your body. I want your mind. I want your soul. I pray that there's always a pastor in this pulpit that will weep for the lost, challenge you to reach souls for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thirdly and lastly, I want you to see this, this new gospel, this this other gospel, it's accommodating of the offense of the cross. 
Listen, it takes everything a man has and owns to take that and trust Christ and Christ alone. There's religion in India. They'll accept Christ. They'll, they'll add Christ. There's some 300 million gods in India. And if you talk to someone that practices religion there, you know what they'll say? I'll take Jesus. And they take Jesus and they'll take a picture of Jesus and they'll put him on the board along next to all of the other gods that they're praying to because they don't want to leave anyone out. They don't want to offend any one God because um, just in case, trust Christ He, he, he's not the salvation that Paul's preaching is not trust Christ and go back and live however you want to live. You don't find that in God's word. It's not trust Christ and then add him to what you're already, your, your religion already is. It's Christ and Christ alone. If you truly trust Christ, you were bought with a price. Listen, under grace, you can live however you want to live. That's what some teach. Jesus died to set you free. You're no longer captive to sin. I would say this, and I close with this. If grace is preached and righteousness is not the goal, it's another gospel. Well, we live in the day of grace. And so therefore you can live how no one should tell you how to live. I disagree. This book should. It's my life. I'll live it how I want. No, Jesus bought you with a price. He paid your sin debt. He owns you now. Don't ever allow another gospel to be preached. Don't allow a accommodating gospel to be preached where you can come in and never feel convicted. Church, never do that.